The poor people of Loreto in Baja California have been hit hard by the COVID-19 virus shutdown, and they need food. Friendship with God is delivering food directly to their homes. Go to www.friendshipwithgod.org and look for the Loreto Need banner to donate or call 619-599-1104. God bless you. Welcome to Friendship with God with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Today's message and previous messages can be listened to or downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. Friendshipwithgod.org. You can also obtain free resources from Tom Cantor and view our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org or call us at 800-247-3051. 800-247-3051. Tom Cantor also has a daily devotional verse that comes out each day by email and on Facebook. To receive this small daily devotional verse that Tom Cantor puts out, you can sign up at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org, or find Tom Cantor on Facebook by searching for Tom Cantor and Friendship with God. Now, here is our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. This was the God who redeemed us from Egypt. That provoked God so much that God said to Moses, Step aside. He said, step aside and let me destroy them. And I'll start all over again. I can still do the promises. You are still a descendant from Abraham. I'll start all over with you. And that's what happened in Exodus 32, 7. Exodus 32, 7. The Lord said unto Moses, go, get thee down for thy people. A bad thing when he stops calling his people. Thy people which thou broughtest out of the land of Egypt have corrupted themselves. They have turned aside quickly out of the way which I commanded them. They have made them a molten calf and have worshipped them and have sacrificed thereunto and said, These be thy gods, O Israel, which have brought thee up out of the land of Egypt. And the Lord said unto Moses, I have seen this people, and behold, this is a stiff-necked people. Now, therefore, let me alone that my wrath may wax hot against them and that I may consume them, and I'll make of thee a great nation." So Moses was, God was telling Moses, Moses, don't pray, don't ask me, don't bring up my promises that I made to Abraham, just leave me alone and I'll destroy them. But Moses said, nothing doing, nothing do it. And Moses did at that time what is described in the Bible as he stood in the gap. He stood in the gap between an angry God and a rebellious people and he said, no, I won't let you do it and if you're gonna destroy them, I'll stand right in front of them so you destroy me first. And that's what Moses did and that was Moses as the great priest that he was, interceding on behalf of the people. And that's what we get in Exodus 32, 11. Exodus 32, 11. Moses besought the Lord his God and said, Lord, why doth thy wrath wax hot against thy people, which thou hast brought forth out of the land of Egypt with great power, with a mighty hand? Wherefore should the Egyptians speak and say, for mischief did he bring them out to slay them in the, world, in the mountains and to consume them from the face of the earth? Turn from thy fierce wrath. Repent of this evil against thy people. Remember Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, thy servants, to whom thou swearest by thine own self, and saidest unto them, I will multiply your seed as the stars of heaven, and all this land have I spoken of, will I give unto thy seed, and they shall inherit it. And the Lord repented of the evil which he thought to do unto his people. Remarkable time. 
Remarkable time. But it was only when Moses said that he had made these unconditional promises to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob that didn't depend on if they obeyed God, if they followed him. And it was that argument that caused God to turn away from his decision to destroy the people. Then there was a time when Israel provoked God, when God the Son came in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ, and Israel cried out against him in Matthew 27, 22. Matthew 7, 27, 22. Pilate saith unto them, what shall I do then with Jesus, which is called Messiah, called Christ? They all say unto him, let him be crucified. And the governor said, why? What evil hath he done? They cried out the more, let him be crucified. When Pilate saw he couldn't reveal nothing, but rather that a tumult was made, he took water, washed his hands before the multitude, saying, I am innocent of the blood of this just person. See you to it. Then answered all the people, all the people, and said, his blood be on us and on our children. That was a great provocation to God. But God had made an unconditional promise to Israel that they would be his people, and God looking over all these provocations that they had made against him, with all those provocations in sight, God's got them clearly in his sight, God makes a statement in Jeremiah 31, 35. In Jeremiah 31, 35, it says, Thus saith the Lord, which giveth the sun for a light by day, ordinance of the moon and of the stars for a light by night, which divideth the sea when the waves thereof roar. The Lord of hosts is his name. If those ordinances depart from me, saith the Lord, then the seed of Israel shall cease from being a nation before me forever. Thus saith the Lord, if heaven above can be measured and the foundations of the earth searched out beneath, I will cast off all the seed of Israel for all that they have done against me, saith the Lord. See, God said that only if the sun stopped giving its light by day and only if the moon and the stars stopped giving light by night and that causes the waves to go, if all that stopped, then God says, fine, then the people of Israel will cease to be a nation before me forever. God said, God said, you want to know, you want to make Israel stop being a a nation? Get out your tape measurers. Get out your tape measurers and measure the universe. Measure heaven. And then measure down to the core of the earth. And when you've got that measurement, come back and tell me, then I'll cast off Israel from, from being a people for all that they have done. That means God was looking very clearly on everything that Israel had done against him when he said that. It's like, it, it's like God was saying, I see it clearly. I see everything that they've done against me. And I'm saying to you, it's impossible for Israel to stop being a nation. It's impossible to, be, to have them be cast away from God. Just like the hymn says, just like the hymn says, marvelous grace of our loving Lord, grace that exceeds our sin and guilt. Yonder on Calvary's mount outpoured, there was the blood of the lamb was spilt. Grace, grace, God's grace, grace that will pardon and cleanse within. Grace, grace, God's grace, grace that is greater than all our sin. Grace that is greater than all Israel's sins. God's grace is greater. Now, but that's all about Israel, and that leaves the question of what is in store for the earth? What about the rest of the earth? That's the question. And the answer that, to that question comes when God says in Isaiah 11:9, 9, Isaiah 11:9, the earth shall be filled with the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. The earth shall be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. 
Now, what a great prospect of a promise that the earth has. But today, there's a tremendous void when it comes to knowing God. As it says in Amos 8.11, Amos 8.11, Behold, the days come, saith the Lord, that I'll send a famine in the land, not a famine of bread, nor a thirst for water, but of hearing of the words of the Lord. We have a famine today. The famine, the famine today, because the Bible's an unknown book. It's becoming more and more an, un an unknown book. But this is all gonna change. And just think of how the waters cover the sea. How do the waters cover the sea? Completely, with great depths and wide expanses. That's how the knowledge of God is gonna be on the earth. And the earth is not only gonna be full of the knowledge of God, but, the, but, but as it says in Isaiah 40, verse five, Isaiah 40, verse five, and the glory of the Lord shall be revealed, and all flesh shall see it together, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken it. And Numbers 14, 21, Numbers 14, 21, truly as I live, all the earth shall be filled with the glory of the Lord. The glory of the Lord. The glory of God is gonna be seen on the earth just like the knowledge of God is gonna be known on the earth. As it says in Habakkuk 2.14, Habakkuk 2.14, the earth shall be filled with the knowledge of the glory of God as the waters cover the sea. Same description. The glory of God is gonna be seen with the same expanse, with the same depth as waters that cover the oceans. What is the glory of God? What is the glory? The, really, that question is, who is the glory of God? Who is the glory of God? John 1.14 tells us. John 1.14 tells us about the Lord Jesus with his name as the word when it says, the word was made flesh and dwelt among us and we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. In the Lord Jesus, the glory of God is seen as it says in 2 Corinthians 4, 6, for 2 Corinthians 4, 6, just think about that time in creation when God commanded light and there was light and God commanded this and there was that and God commanded that and this is another command of God in 2 Corinthians 4, 6. For God who commanded the light to shine out of darkness has shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. All the earth is going to see the Lord Jesus Christ, and when they see him, it's going to be the glory of God that's going to cover the earth as the waters cover the sea. And so that leads us to the next question, how? How is this going to happen? How will all this blessing come to the earth? How will Habakkuk 2.14, the earth shall be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea? How's that gonna happen? Who is going to bring this knowledge of the glory of God to the Gentiles of the, of the earth? Gentiles mean, mean the, 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 the nations. Gentiles means goyim means nations. That's what it means. It's not a bad word. It's not a derogatory word. You can say goy, but it means nation. Okay? Anyway, okay. So who's gonna bring this knowledge of the glory of God to the, the, the nations of the earth, to the Gentiles of the earth? Well, we're told in Isaiah 66, 19, Isaiah 66, 19, when God said, I will set a sign among them and I will send those that escape of them unto the nations, to Tarshish, to Pool, to Lud, to draw the bow, to Tubal and Javan, to the isles afar off that have not heard my fame, neither have seen my glory. 
And they shall declare my glory among the Gentiles. And they shall bring all your brethren for an offering to the Lord out of all the nations. See, this is total surrender. Upon horses, chariots, litters, upon mules, swift beasts to my holy mountain, Jerusalem, saith the Lord, as the children of Israel bring an offering and a clean vessel to the house of the Lord. And I will also take of them for priests and for Levites, saith the Lord. Who's this describing? Describing the Jewish people. The Jewish people are going to declare the knowledge of God's glory to the world, to the Gentiles. But before they can do that, before the Jewish people can do that, there's just one little minor detail that needs to be, that needs to be solved. They just need to get saved, that's all. And, and God says, he'll do that. He says, don't worry, I'll do that. In order to do that, I will, God said, put them through a process called purification and purging. Purification and purging. He says in, in, about purging in, in, ex, in Ezekiel 20, verse 38, Ezekiel 20, verse 38, I will purge out from among them, from among you, the rebels and them that transgress against me. And I will bring them forth out of the country where they sojourn, and they shall not enter into the land of Israel, and you shall know that I am the Lord. This purging started. This means that God looks over Israel, and as he looks over them, he sees, he sees rebels. Only he knows who they are. We would have said Saul of Tarsus for sure is on the list, but no. And God, but God looks over and he says, that person will never, ever, ever bow the knee to the Lord Jesus, no matter what God says. And he says, I will purge out the rebels. And then he says, that's a purging. And then for the purification, he speaks about in Malachi 3.3. Malachi 3.3, it says, God shall sit as a refiner and purifier of silver, and he shall purify the sons of Levi and purge them as gold and silver that they may offer unto the Lord an offering in righteousness. That means here again that God looks over Israel, he sees silver, he sees them like silver, but it's loaded with impurities. So God's gonna turn up the heat, he's gonna stir the pot, and he's gonna remove the dross from the silver. And finally, all this purging, all this purifying is done. That little minor detail happens in Romans 11.26, Romans 11.26, and so all Israel shall be saved. As it is written, there shall come forth out of Zion the deliverer and shall turn away ungodliness from Jacob. When that happens, that will be the long-awaited restoration of Israel, Israel's restoration. Someone ought to start a ministry called Israel Restoration. Because that, when that happens, then there's going to be what is described in Romans 11.15. Romans 11.15 says, if the casting away of them be the reconciling of the world, and here we are tonight, reconciled to God. Their casting away has meant the reconciling of the world. What shall the receiving of them be but life from the dead? When Israel is saved and restored back to the place of being the son that serves God, that will be for the world what, is, what God calls life from the dead. And the scene of this life from the dead is our verse that we started off in reading, which is in Zechariah 8.23, Zechariah 8.23, where it says, thus saith the Lord, in those days, those coming days, it shall come to pass that 10 men shall take out hold out of all languages of the earth. Can you imagine that scene? 10 people each speaking, I don't know what, Chinese, Indonesian, Eskimo language, you name it, 10 languages. And they've all got the skirt of the Jew and they all have one message, we're going with you because we have heard that God is with you. 
And that shows that what God will have the saved Jewish people do at that time after the restoration, bring the world to the Lord Jesus Christ. And the question is, why? Why will the Gentiles come to the Jewish people to take, to take them to God? And the answer is given to us in Ezekiel 37.25. In Ezekiel 37.25, it says, they shall dwell in the land that I have given unto Jacob my servant, wherein your fathers have dwelt. They shall dwell therein, even they and their children and their children's children forever. And my servant David shall be their prince forever. Moreover, I'll make a covenant of peace with them. It'll be an everlasting covenant with them. I'll place them and multiply them. And get this. And will set my sanctuary in the midst of them forever. My tabernacle also shall be with them. Yea, I will be their God. They shall be my people. And the heathen it says heathen, the, you know, it says heathen. It's the word goyim. It's the word, it means nations. I don't know why the translators use the word heathen. When you read heathen, you think about natives in Indonesian jungles and things like that. But it shouldn't be heathen. It should be the nations. And, and, and they shouldn't have done it. And if they would have asked me, I would have told them. But they never asked me. So anyway, it's just that's the way it is. What can we do? But okay. The nations shall know that I, the Lord, do sanctify Israel when my sanctuary shall be be in the midst of them forevermore. When it says that, they're gonna dwell in the land that I've given unto Jacob. That means the Jewish people are gonna live in Israel. Which they, and, and, and I don't know what's gonna happen to Fairfax and Pico Robertson and Brooklyn and Skokie, Illinois, but they're gonna live in Israel. That's what it says. And when it says in Ezekiel 37, 27, my servant shall, David shall be prince forever, that means the Lord Jesus Christ, the son of David, is going to live in Jerusalem to be their prince forever. So someone, quick, better tell President Trump that because he wants to give part of Jerusalem to the Muslims. Tell him that's not a good idea. <laughs> when it says in Ezekiel 37, 27, my tabernacle shall also be with them, that means that God the Son, his house address is gonna be in Jerusalem. That's where he's gonna live. And, and, and that's what his address is gonna be. So if you wanna go to where God is, then you gotta go to where the Jewish people are because that will be where God's address is among the Jewish people. And that's the way the world will know where God is, and that's emphasized in Ezekiel 37, 28, which we read, Ezekiel 37, 28. The heathen, the nations, shall know that I, the Lord, do sanctify Israel when my sanctuary shall be in the midst of them, in the midst of the Jewish people forevermore. Uh, okay, forevermore. Now, so for any Gentile who wants to know, who wants to get close to God, they've got to go to where the Jewish people are. And that will be the fulfillment of Isaiah 46, 13. Isaiah 46, 13. I bring near my righteousness. It shall not be far off. My salvation shall not tarry. I will place salvation in Zion for Israel my glory. That's what it means when God calls Israel his glory because they are going to be the ones to teach the world about the glory of God and they will bring the world to the Lord Jesus who will be living right in the middle of them. And when it says this in Isaiah 46, 13, that God will bring near his righteousness, that's the Father bringing the righteous one, 
the Lord Jesus to man. And when it says in that verse in Isaiah 46, 13, God will place salvation in Zion, that means that God is going to place salvation, which the Hebrew word is Yeshua. He will place Yeshua in the midst of Zion. He will, pl place, he will place Jesus in the midst of Zion. This is God's plan. This is God's plan for the world. It's to bless the world through the Jewish people. This is God's plan. Like J. Vernon McGee says, if you don't like it, find another universe to live in. Because this is God's sovereign choice. This is God's sovereign choice. It's based on unconditional promises that go back to Abraham, where God chose Abraham, chose to bless the people, the people of the world through Abraham, the Jewish people, and this sovereign choice uh, that what God did is what Nehemiah emphasized when he was there building that wall in Nehemiah 9-7, Nehemiah 9-7, when he prayed to God and he said, thou art the Lord, the God who did choose Abram and brought him forth out of Ur of the Chaldees and gave us him the name Abraham, father of many nations. And when God made his choice to use the Jewish people to bring the blessing of salvation and the knowledge of God and his glory to the world, he only consulted with himself. He didn't say, I gotta call my cabinet together and see what they all think of. He didn't do that. Because it says in Ephesians 1.11, Ephesians 1.11, that God does things, the purpose, he's called, God is called, the purpose of him who worketh all things after the counsel of his own will. He just consults with himself. This is a great gift to the Jewish people to serve God by bringing the knowledge of God and his glory to the earth. This is a great calling to the Jewish people to be this blessing to all the families of the earth. This was both a great gift and a great calling of the Jewish people. And as far as the gifts and callings of God are concerned, it says in Romans eleven twenty nine, Romans eleven twenty nine, for the gifts and the calling of God are without repentance. He doesn't change his mind. So now we come back to our original question, which is, what is the deeper biblical meaning of say, to say, I stand with Israel? Well, we've seen that God made unconditional promises to Abraham, to Isaac, pass it on to Isaac, pass it on to Jacob, pass it on to the people, Israel, the Jewish people, that promise of bringing a blessing, the blessing of God to the world. And for this purpose, we have seen how God took the Jewish people to himself for a people, for a son, for a first, uh, firstborn son whose destiny is to serve God in this manner. And we've seen that nothing the Jewish people could do against God would make God cast off the Jewish people and destroy them as a people. We've seen how God's plan for the world is to use the Jewish people to bring the world, to bring to the bring the world God. And the world can, can will then at that point have life from the dead. Therefore, when we say, I stand with Israel, it is to stand with God's plan to bring life to the world. That's what it means. To say, I don't stand with Israel, is to oppose God's plan of bringing life to the world. To stand with Israel is to be blessed by God for standing for God's plan for the life of the world. To not stand with Israel is to be cursed by God for not standing for God's plan to bring the world life. And this is the meaning behind Genesis 12.3. Genesis 12.3, I will bless them that bless thee, I will curse him that curse thee, and in thee shall all families of the earth be blessed. That's why we say tonight, I stand with Israel. 
Because when we say, I stand with Israel, it means we are standing with God in his plan to bring life to a dead world. God's life brought by the Jewish people, Israel. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for being such a marvelous God who loves the world, who loves the so world, is not willing that any should perish, who wants all men to be saved. And your plan, Lord, always was, never changed, was to use the Jewish people, the people of Abraham, to bring the knowledge of the glory of God, the knowledge of salvation, to bring, 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 bring God to the world. And so, Lord, we do pray that this might happen. And we thank you, Lord, for helping us tonight as we pray that Israel might be the son that needs to be let go so that they can serve in Jesus' name. Amen. Another wonderful day studying the Bible with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, here on Friendship with God. Don't forget that today's message and previous messages can be listened to and downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. Friendshipwithgod.org. You can also go online to find free resources from Tom Cantor and our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org. You can also find Tom Cantor on Facebook, and you can also go to friendshipwithgod.org and sign up for his daily devotional. Tom Cantor is also the founder of Israel Restoration Ministries. You can visit that website at israelrestorationministries.org. You can write to Tom Cantor at P.O. Box 711330, P.O. Box 711330, Santee, California. Santee, California, 92071. Or email Tom Cantor at tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org. Tom Cantor at friendshipwithgod.org. Or for more information about Tom Cantor and Friendship with God and Israel Restoration Ministries, call us at 800-247-3051. Poor people of Loreto in Baja California have been hit hard by the COVID-19 virus shutdown, and they need food. Friendship with God is delivering food directly to their homes. Go to www.friendshipwithgod.org and look for the Loreto Need banner to donate or call 619-599-1104. God bless you.